You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So the Bruins just had a video on Twitter of all the players kind of uh, wishing Bergeron well and thanking him. And uh, it appears that it was done in May during breakup day because there's some detectives online saying that they're all wearing the same outfits as breakup day. So maybe Bergeron can, can you get a fire while. alarm going off. <laughs> yeah, that would probably, that'd be a telltale sign. So maybe Bergeron's known for a while. Um, but I, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. The market's been what it was. Or, or my thought is that they asked people to do it while they were all together. Just in and case. Yeah. That's fair. That'd yeah. My thought. That's fair. So anyway, not to jump back to last last April, um, but yes. Yeah, so Bridget, absolutely. I mean, I'll just go first quickly. I mean, Bergeron, without a doubt. I mean, in my mind, he's a he's a top three, you know, for sure, a top five Bruin of all time, and um, phenomenal, like like just incredible player on and off the ice, person, role model, like two hundred foot game. Never took a shift off, never took a shift off, and he's going to be sorely missed. I mean, so many, so many great memories are because of him. And, uh, I mean, huge reason why they won the Cup in 11, which is, you know, for Bruins fans from whatever, like our age, younger, a little bit younger, to people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, that's that's only so many of those people have had the chance to watch. So he's an all time Bruin for sure, and one of the best two A players to ever play the game. And, I mean, 2013, Game 7, phenomenal. Uh, 2011, Game 7, just so many, so many uh, career highlights for that for that guy. So it's been truly an honor to watch him my literally almost my entire life, which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, third, third all-time in Bruins history in games played, third in goals, third in points. Um, yeah, I tweeted this earlier today, but obviously that, that 2013 Game 7 winner, like that's, is most iconic goal in part because of Dave Gosher's incredible call of that. But to me, like the one that like, I always come back to is the second goal in game seven of the 2011, 2011 final, a shorthanded goal that's just pure hustle play. He gets, you know, take, draws a penalty on the play, but basically just goes sliding into Luongo and, and you know, knocks it home to make it three nothing. And at that point, basically seal the cup. Like I know, you know, Bruins fans weren't didn't want to celebrate too early, right? Because everyone also remembered the collapse the year before against Philly, 2010, where they had a three nothing lead in Game Seven and, and choked it away. But you you kind of knew, like that just felt different. That Vancouver, like that arena was went totally silent after that because it's like that they have a power play. We knew that Canucks team obviously had a loaded power play. You're thinking, hey, if they score, gets to two one that arena would be going crazy. And it's just, you know, actually Gregory Campbell, who wins the faceoff because Bergeron kicked out of the dot. 
Seidenberg goes off the glass, kind of lucky bounce, and Bergeron just takes off. Um, that one, it like feels the most fitting to me to kind of sum up his career because was shorthanded. It's just hustle. It's not pretty, um, but it's incredibly clutch and seals seals that cup. Um, I also think about like just how lucky we are that we got this long of a career from him, this great of a career, because I also remember his concussion problems that for a time looked like they legitimately had a chance of ending his career. Um, the hit from behind from Randy Jones and in 2007, he misses the rest of that season, continues to have some concussion issues, even up to that 2011 run where he has the concussion scare late in the second round, misses a couple of games of the Eastern conference finals. Um, you know, like you, every time there was a hit, every time it, there was a chance he had a concussion, like you worried. And then, and then he like got over it and you just like, I feel like we just haven't thought about it for a decade plus. Like, like he amazingly just stopped, you know, have an issue. Maybe he got smart enough, you know, how to avoid it, whatever. Maybe it's just luck. Like, I don't know, but I do think back to like how scary that was for a while with all the time he missed and, like the team had to like, like sent him away on a vacation just to get away from everything. And, um, you know, it, we know what that can do to, we saw it end Mark Savard's career. So, you know, he, you know, he, it's weird to say get lucky given how bad they were for him and how much time he missed, but was able to recover and had, you know, all his best years came, came after that, which is just amazing. Yeah. And well, with concussions, I think it is a lot of luck. Right. So, and, you know, maybe some rule changes helped along the way because things started changing. Um, penalties got called differently, you know, targeting the head. The league was trying to really enforce getting some of those really bad hits out of the game after that. So, um, yeah, probably luck more than anything uh, for that. But he ended up having a very long career after that concussion like you mentioned so yeah you're right about that and it does feel like something that we come we kind of forgot even you know about because it was so yeah. so long ago and and you mentioned rule changes like he's part of the reason the rules did change too because he was very open about what he went through and was kind of at that time like one of the only players really speaking up and opening up about like how it affected him and and yeah. i think once more players started doing that like that sort of helped change the culture to where it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, get your head up, tough it out type thing. And when it was more like, hey, like, these are actually doing real damage. And like, people are talking about this now. And I think that mattered. Yeah. In terms of like, moments from his career, though, that that I remember and that I I will think about um, when I think about Bergeron, for sure, the Toronto overtime goal that's I mean that's just because that was such like a a high like an instant high that every Bruins fan got when they watched that goal and like uh the whole the whole New England uh was talking about that for a long time still we still are um but to to talk about how important he was in game seven for the Stanley Cup like I mentioned earlier he scored the first goal of that game too so he he had two goals in the Stanley Cup final. Like when when you needed him to 
be Kwashi was Kwash that year. He's he sealed it off. And um, like you mentioned, I was watching that highlight from his second goal that made it three nothing. The look in Luongo's eyes was like, oh no, like things were falling apart after that point. Like things were falling apart for you to give up a third goal shorthanded right when you really needed to score on that power play. So, um, yeah, I guess that is kind of an epitome of his career. But you, you want to know what else is, too? That one goal that he saved with an empty net. <laughs> Do you remember this? He When he skated the length of the ice and stopped the puck on the goal line and pulled it out. <laughs> uh, and they had to, like, review it and make sure it didn't go in. But he just hustled his way all the way back um, to save it from going in the net. Yeah, it's it it is wild to think about. Uh, you guys bring up such a such a true point about the concussions and how we just kind of forgot about it because the first concussion was in October of '07. The Randy Jones hit from behind, like you said, cost him the season. The second concussion was the following season. He tried to hit Dennis Seidenberg, who at the time was playing for the Hurricanes at like center ice. He tried to hit Seidenberg, and Seidenberg, as we all know from his time in Boston, just was a brick wall. And then yeah, the Claude Giroux concussion. I uh, in in the 2011 playoffs and all that all those happen those that's three concussions in four years that we knew of right and another thing i think about is it's crazy because um oh by the way and sorry brian but to to talk about the concussion thing like in more recent times when bergeron was hurt after that montreal when he left that montreal game we actually did wonder if it was a concussion because they said it was an injury that he already had and it was being, it was re-aggravated. And so like people were thinking, okay, well, it was a injury that he's already dealt with. Um, and we didn't necessarily see it happen in real time. Maybe it was like a bump that we, we didn't notice, like shook him up and maybe it was a concussion. So um, then when we found out it was the back, um, you know, that's better news um, than if it had been a concussion. Yeah. There's also that, there was that awkward hit from Sidney Crosby. That was, two seasons ago, right? That was like, I think, what did that end up being like? He needed stitches or something instead. It was like a cut. And like his helmet had gotten jammed in to his head or, or something like that. And so, but like at the time, it like looked like it was a hit to the head. And you're like, oh man, is that like, is that what that is? And, uh, and Radic Fosca for Dallas got him a couple of years back too in Dallas. And people got, I mean, at this point, actually, now that I think about it, that was probably like five years ago, which is crazy, but. Because Tory Krug is on the team, and I think it was pre-COVID. But um, back to real quick though, it's so like when you you look back at his at his career, right? You had 0304, 0506-0607. So that's three seasons. The following season was lost because he got that concussion like a week into the season. So that season's done. So his fourth NHL season was 0809, and then 910. So he won the Stanley. Now that we look back and we know it was 19 seasons, he won the Stanley Cup in his sixth NHL season. That's a that's pretty. It was technically his seventh, but but he missed the, the entire year. And then there was a there was a, a lockout year in 0405. So he had been in the year in the league for more years than he had seasons. But it's kind of weird to think about how it was only his sixth NHL season on the ice when he won the Stanley cup after 19 seasons, looking back now, he won that pretty early in his career, all things considered right around the, the, the one third mark. So um, I, I, I think, I think 
along with all the admiration and accolades people will, will rain down on Patrice Bergeron, the only thing people will say about Bergeron in this Bruins era as it's now, I mean, he really is kind of the end of an era here, right? I mean, Bergeron goes, Krejci goes. I mean, you're really left with Martian at this point. Um, you know, the knock on the Bruins is they may have left a couple short. And by a couple, I mean Stanley Cups and, and Bergeron included. And when you think about how he won that Stanley Cup in his sixth season, um, you definitely and, – and they were set up for so long after that, but – um, that's the only thing, but that's, but again, that's, that's a, that's a team success and a team failure type thing, but not an individual, but yeah, it's just wild. Uh, what a career, what a run. And, um, lucky is, is definitely the term to, for, for Boston sports fans. I mean, for him to play his entire career as a Bruin is very uncommon for one player to do it for that long with one team. And I, I think, I think he should be held in honestly, like, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. What he did here is remarkable. And a couple, you know, David Ortiz and a couple of others um, in their sports have done some miraculous things. Bergeron didn't get as many rings as some of these guys, but I mean, that aside, he should be held in the highest regard. And I don't know if you guys have, does Bergeron crack your, your top three Bruins of all time or top five? Have you even thought about where he is on that list? I mean, obviously it starts and ends with Bobby Orr, but after that, I mean, you got Ray Boric and Bergeron and a couple of others that, really are kind of vying for those top five spots. Well, I know Scott's thought about it because Scott's putting together the Centennial team. So Scott knows where he would put Bergeron, I assume. Yeah, I'm I'm technically not allowed to like reveal my rankings until they go public. But yeah, like you're you're obviously in the ballpark. I I would say, you know, I think like Oren Bork are, you know, pretty obvious at the top. And then like you could have Bergeron anywhere three through, I don't know, six, seven. Like, he, he's obviously way up there. So, um, yeah, without giving away exactly where I have him, it's, yeah, I think you're, you're pretty safe saying he's um, at least in contention for the top five and potentially even higher than that. Like, I think you absolutely can make the case for him being third. You know, you throw Esposito, Busick, Eddie Shore, Neely, you know, Milt Schmidt, um, like there's a lot of guys who have great cases to be that high on the list, but he's absolutely right there with any of them. Like, you know, did win a cup, had the longevity, has the point totals in, in, you know, franchise history at, or, you know, really high up on like just about every list. So, um, and all the Selkies, like that's, having two more of those than anyone else in history. I know it's not, you know, an MVP award and he, he never finished top five in MVP voting, but winning six Selkies is incredible. And this, you know, I think it's absolutely fair. Like, I guess we don't know exactly how great defensively players way back in like the thirties and forties were, especially forwards, but in modern times, like you can absolutely say with, good amount of confidence that he was the best defensive forward ever, or at least expansion error, whatever parameters you want to put on it. But um, yeah, so he's going to, yeah, he's going to land very high on, on my list. And I assume on, you know, whatever final list that we end up putting out as, as a group when, uh, when the centennial team gets announced. What, what happens when you guys disagree on like where, like, especially the top five, I feel like that's going to be tough to agree. But there's about, what, 15 or 20 of you 
putting it together. Yeah. Well, I think some I my understanding of how it kind of works is I think the list is just gonna be like a like we all submit our list and then I think it's just gonna be like a calculated combination that spits out like the ranking. But then what we get together and discuss is like we're actually building like a 20 man centennial team of 12 forwards, six defensemen, two goalies. So I think that's what we all like we'll be spending a day talking through. You and Connor Ryan and Matt Porter, and you're going to have to fight over who, who's getting Yeah, well, Yeah, Matt Porter might be zooming in from, from parts unknown wherever he happens to be on his trip around the world at that point. So, yeah. Scott, I, I, I have a question for you. Like, and I don't, wanna, I don't want you to have to reveal your secrets, but one thing I find interesting is for this exercise, so many of the greats that, that will be high on this list – anywhere on this list really but specifically high in this list unfortunately you and some others were born after their time and highlights from a lot of these players times aren't readily available so like are you for players you didn't have the luxury of watching throughout your life where you have to is it just more or less reflecting on just like like stats and just rhetoric and like because i would i would love Hey, if anybody from Nesson's listening, in, instead of 50 episodes of, you know, Charlie Moore Outdoors from 10 years ago, can we get some, like, archived, like, Bruins games from the 70s and 80s just, like, constantly on, and Red Sox and all the sports? Like, can we get some archived games from the New England Sports Network on the, onto their channel? That'd yeah. be great. I, I remember when they, I don't remember if it was Nesson or, or maybe even, like, UPN back in the day when they used to play more of them. And mm-hmm. yeah, like I would, I would just, it's fascinating just to watch because it's like, yeah, you want to see those old players, but also it just looks like a different sport. Like it's awesome. It does. <laughs> yeah. It's, back, back in like the, um, I want to say maybe around like 2000 to like 2005 around then Nesson used to have this, this show called fan attic and yeah. And like this. you would tune in and I still can think of the theme song it was like, and then and like they had like a narrator and he would he would like they were like chronize like game by game highlights of like the 1970 season and it was just really cool and other seasons in that era and uh anyway so to my my question though scott like it, it must be tough to kind of do your due diligence with with only so much readily available yeah i mean it's it's stats it's looking at things like you know how important they were on teams you know did the, did they win a cup were they one of the best players on a team that won a cup um, were they one of the best players on teams that made deep playoff runs. Uh, how do they compare to like the rest of the league? Like where do they finish in Hart trophy voting or Norris voting or what do they win for awards? Things like that. Um, and then, you know, trying to like read up on because what they tell us is the definition is like the most legendary players. So they leave that, open to us so it's like okay also you know were they kind of bigger than the game like were they regarded as a superstar because like then i guess that would make them a little more legendary than maybe someone who was a good player on a good team but might have been a little more under the radar so like i tried to take kind of all that into account um it is hard to compare across errors because it's like i like i mentioned like bergeron not finishing top five in heart trophy voting and then it's like some, someone like Eddie Shore won four Hart trophies, but he was also playing in a smaller league in a completely different era where the 
game look completely different. And it's like, like, how do you balance something like that? You know, like Eddie Shore's four heart trophies in the thirties aren't the same as like a heart trophy today or even. Yeah, he didn't have to try to beat out Connor McDavid for one. So, <laughs> yeah. So like stuff like that's tough, but I do try to look at, you know, how do you compare like within your era? Basically like, were you one of the best in your era? Did you just play for a long time? Like, all that, you know, did you help them win a cup or multiple cups? So, um, you know, try to, like, I try to incorporate a little bit of everything. And then at a certain point, it kind of just gets down to like gut feel. Like I don't have, I don't have like a formula where it's like spitting out numbers for each guy. And it's like, but you love, okay, well, I'm just going to rank them all. By these stats. What? You love your advanced stats. You're, yeah, you're so, very... Like, What's in, like the closest you can probably get with advanced stats for something like this is hockey reference does have point shares, um, both by season and for career. So like you can look at that and it can be something of a guideline, but like that's, it's an imperfect stat and it's calculated differently. Cause like today you have more data for it than you would have in the 1920s. So, you know, there's also like people also played fewer games back then there, you know, Right. If you go way back to the twenties, they were like twenty game seasons, and then they went up to like forty or forty eight game seasons. So it's like what are the you can't advanced... even just go on counting stats either. What do you? What are the advanced stats for the twenties? How many packs of Marlboros they they smoke? Right. Yeah. I mean, how many? How many guys you hit in the head with your stick and <laughs> force them to be stretchered off? I uh, I'm actually I'm I'm curious. I want, when does it first come out next year? Uh, I so. Our lists are due in August, and then we have we all get together in September, and I think I think everything gets announced publicly in October. Oh, I wonder where I wonder right where, before uh, the season. Uh, I don't know if it's before or it might be like during early season at some point. I mean, I know we talked about like how next season is it's it's unclear, right? But but there are there are still some. Bruins on the on the current roster that are definitely going to be high on these lists. I mean, David Pasternak is 11th in the franchise's uh, all-time scoring leaders, and he's 27 years old. He's you know he's halfway through his career, so that's I mean, and then Marshan is a top 10 scorer, and you know Mila Lucic coming back. I'm sure you talk about larger than life personalities. I mean, maybe Lucic will find himself somewhere on that list. I think he rightfully should be if we're talking 100 100 players. So. Um. Anyway, that'll, that'll that'll be that'll be fun. You guys have uh. Is Brad Martian before we sign off? Is he the next captain? They're gonna be captainless in their hundredth season, or is he gonna pass the torch to somebody? You think? I, I think it should and will be Marshand. Um. I think he probably gets to see until until he retires or he's ready to pass it on to someone. But that makes a lot of sense to me rather than like bypassing him and going to McAvoy or Pasternak, which. I guess, like, I kind of understand from the standpoint of, hey, if you want to, like, really kind of turn the page to the next era and get it on, you know, one of those long-term pillars of of your next core. But, I mean, Marshan's the leader of this team right now. Like, he's he's one who stepped up when Bergeron was out in the playoffs. He was clearly Bergeron's deputy for the last several years. So it's like, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I think it has to be Marshawn. And it, we think about the personalities of of McAvoy and Pasternak as well. 
Um, Pasternak, he's kind of a go with the flow kind of person, it seems. Uh, and Marshawn has really stepped up in terms of leading. Um, we saw it in the playoffs. I mean, it kind of sounds silly to probably non-Bruins fans because they think of Marshawn as somebody who licks people and, you know, has not been the most mature player in the past, but he's definitely matured. Um, and we've seen it in, in particular this past season. He has really um, shown that he has those leadership skills and I feel like it would be wrong to bypass him. I don't care if you're really wanting to turn the page. I think that that would, would be disrespectful too. Um, the role Marshawn has played here for, you know, almost as long as Bergeron. So uh, it, it would be wrong to, to go right by him. And I think that people look, look to him for leadership. So why not just give him the C? Yeah. I mean, I, I would be surprised if it didn't, if it did go to one of the younger two in Pasternak or McAvoy, I, I don't think it would go to them without going through Marshawn first. Um, and you know, the only, the only way that get, that gets tricky is if the Bruins end up floundering for a year or two and they decide to maybe sell high on him or something like that while he has a C that could be tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I also think he would, um, I also think that he is going to hold the weight of, of the captainship in the centennial season and all that that entails, you know, media, um, you know, ceremonial things, all that stuff. So I think, I think, uh, and yeah, I mean, and he's the last, well, Lucic is back, but he's the last remaining champion from you know that 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 season, right? So it's a Lucci. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, all right, guys. I think we've we we've done a sufficient update for for our listeners on on the Bergeron news. Um, any final thoughts, takeaways? Uh just wondering when the crazy news comes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird that that's still still lingering, but I don't know. I, I I would be very surprised if if we find out he's coming back. Just doesn't, oh. doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Any uh, what's the timeline again for Frederick and Swayman? Uh, within the next week, basically. I think Swayman's hearings July thirtieth, and Frederick August first. So, okay, basically under a week to to get a deal in before you go to arbitration, which is. No, no one wants to go to arbitration because it, especially if you're the team, like you have to basically make the case for why the player isn't worth as much as they think they are. Yeah. And that's done in front of the player. So it's, it's like, ugly. that it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I think I remember that. I can remember a few like ugly arbitration hearings that were, they feel like maybe Zach Parise was one like a while ago where it went and then it was, it's just insulting. The Bruins would have a tough time telling Swayman why he isn't worth something, though. I mean, he's I know. Been and Frederick stupid. having his best uh, uh, year, yeah. his but career. With, with Frederick, though, they can they can talk about how. It, I mean, quietly, Frederick's been on the team for like five years now, so they could talk about how it's, he's just breaking through now, and he was on a line with Taylor Hall and whatever. But with Swayman, it's like I mean, he's just been steady since he debuted. It's I mean, yeah. the only thing that they can say to him is that he's carried the workload with Allmark, but. That was not his decision. So yeah, and and talk about when you talk about Swayman, maybe a guy that will be on the next centennial team if he sticks around in Boston and plays to the potential we think he has. Well, yeah. and also like if from the Bruins' perspective, if you get this worked out before, it also you know potentially allows you to 
fit them into what you have left of cap space and not have to free up anymore. Right now the Bruins have 5.4 million. So, you know, I, however you want to split that up in your head, say it's, I don't know, 3.2 to Swayman, 2.2 to Frederick, like something like that. You can be talking to both sides and like finagle that into, into what you have left. If you go to arbitration and lose both and they come in higher, like there's no, you don't get to negotiate after that. Either you accept that and sign them for it or you let them go and they're, and they're a free agent. And it's like, you know, you don't want to have Swayman come in at four and Frederick at like two and a half. And now it's like, ah, crap, we're a million dollars over if we sign them. Like that's no, you, you want to get it done before. And I guess I still think they will, but obviously they are now cutting it a little bit close with, you know, five, six days to go. All right, Bridget and Scott, thanks for uh, being flexible today. I mean, all of us kind of just were like, all right, we got to hop on and and do this do this this episode now because this is, doesn't get much more newsworthy than than this. I mean, we're talking about an all time player and, and and professional. So, uh, congratulations to Patrice Bergeron. I mean, for making all of our lives just so much more enjoyable watching the Bruins the last however long you've been watching them, and we'll see what happens with the team going forward. They got the work cut out for them and. We don't, you know, we only have about, a, what, two months? Just about two months until opening night, maybe a little bit more. So um, we'll see if the Bruins enter the regular season as is and or if, or if changes are on the horizon. But either way, we'll be covering it the entire time. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon.